Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. This is part two. You definitely will want to listen to part one first because, well, you need to actually. Just understanding how to repair gut health and how it affects your metabolism, your ability to lose weight and diminish disease markers, well, that's interesting. But it doesn't really make sense unless you understand why and how and all of the things in our environment that have an effect on this and the science behind it. The science explained in a way that someone like myself who loves fake eyelashes, real housewives, and uh, frankly had a hard time staying awake through earth science at Michigan State University. Yeah, that was me. And this dude can make that science so interesting and most of all, so relevant to you that you will definitely want to listen to part one first. It will give you a very solid and thorough understanding. You're only getting part of the picture if you just listen to this episode. Either way, listen to them both. Trust me, you will not regret it. So you want to talk weight loss resistance and you're a smart cookie. You've already figured out there's no way it can be as simple as eating less and moving more. You've also realized by this point that one diet does not fit all, that there are so many other variables at play here that no wonder you've been frustrated, but yet it still seems pretty complex. It's still, there's still probably some unanswered questions in your mind. Well, guess what? Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps right now. I cannot wait for you to hear the next expert that I'm bringing to you, Dr. Zachary Bush is a triple board certified doctor with an unbelievable wealth of information. I feel smarter right now. I feel empowered. I feel excited. Yes, I feel excited about what it is we're doing and what it is we're learning about weight loss resistance. I just can't believe that we've believed the garbage that we've been fed, no pun intended, for so many years. This lesson is going to be life-changing And if you care about your life and if you care about the lives of other people in your life, you're going to share this audio program with them. You've got to listen to this more than once. I mean, this is some pretty complex stuff, but I think you, in fact, I know you're going to get it because you are so smart and because you understand that we can't just blindly listen to what our government or what somebody tells us to do in a book. We really have to sit in the driver's seat when it comes to our own health and wellness and the health and wellness of our family, of our children, of our children's. Let me tell you about Zach Bush, MD. He was the president of his medical school class at the University of Colorado Health, smart guy. With his MD, he later became the chief resident for the Department of Internal Medicine at the University of Virginia. Now, over the past 12 years, this guy has continued to further his medical education and his understanding of science and knowledge. He is among a very few physicians in the nation that is triple board certified. 
having completed training certifications in three fields of interest to you and me, including internal medicine, endocrinology, hormones, and metabolism, all things we want to know more about, we need to know more about. He's published countless peer-reviewed articles and books in chapters and areas of infectious disease, endocrinology, and cancer. Mark my words, this is someone who is a leader, a name you're going to know when it comes to gut health, gut intelligence. Now at his own clinic, Revolution Health Center, he clinically treats patients to help them repair leaky gut syndrome, gluten intolerance, autism, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune conditions, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, and yes, weight loss resistance. Remember, this is part two, so we will pick up right where we left off. Enjoy. For those of us who who recognize that this is what we're dealing with, it, it is what it is, as they say, what steps can we take to either protect ourselves or to begin to heal our gut? Fortunately, Mother Earth uh, and Mother Nature is just incredibly endowed with mercy. Mm. And so here we are destroying our planet with a chemical. And we should mention the degree of this injury that we're inducing on the planet here. But Mm -hmm. currently we're spraying 2 billion kilograms of glyphosate onto the soils of the earth. And so we are robbing the ability of our soil and the plants that grow in there with 2 billion kilograms of this toxin a year. What percentage of that is in the United States? I mean, I would assume that we are the worst offenders. We're the worst offenders if Mm -hmm. you look at per capita, but if you look at per pound, China and Australia are starting to beat us quickly. And most of the glyphosate produced in the the world right now is actually not made by Monsanto anymore. It came off patent in 2007, and it's now in every weed killer on the market, way beyond Roundup. Do you see a correlation between the – I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you see a correlation between – the usage and the fertility rate per capita? Absolutely. And there's lots of ways we can look at that. In the United States, if you take a look at the maps of our cancer death from 1975 to 2000, um, you've you've got a pattern where most of the deaths that were happening from cancer in the United States If we look at uh, prostate cancer, for example, uh, you're up in the the northeast. If you're looking at uh, colon cancer up in the northwest, if you're looking at lung cancer, you're you're kind of in the Midwest to to northwest. Mm. And so a lot of northern prevalence to these cancers. Mm. Then then you look at the effects of GMO and everything coming in in 1996. And if you look at the death from cancer in our population in the United States from 2000 to 2016, it is all concentrated now down in the south. And if you take a look and overlay those cancer patterns with the tributaries of the Mississippi River and our current glyphosate usage, you'll see state by state a perfect correlation between the concentrations of glyphosate <laughs> and the rates of cancer. This is ridiculous. The what about last- our, our infant mortality rate? Yeah, unfortunately, it's not just the cancer in the adults that's getting us. Uh, currently, we're number one in the world for first day mortality. So we have more children day, die on day one of life than any other country in the that, world. That just has me throwing my glasses off. Are you freaking kidding? It, like, it, I, how is I this even happening? <laughs> how is this happening? 
that's you know an amazing story of loss of ecosystem. And so you asked earlier, how how are we going to cope? How are we have any hope if we're surrounded by this chemical? The answer is going to be in the bacteria. And so mm -hmm. Mother Earth has given us this huge gift of bacteria. And we can we'll track back in a few minutes to, you know, what are we going to do to get the, all these bacteria back that we've been killing? Mm -hmm. But I think that infant mortality you know, look is interesting at, at the most extreme end of this. And so mm -hmm. uh, a lot of you know hospital systems and cities in our nation now are delivering 47, 48 percent of babies by C-section. Yeah, I had one C-section. You had one. Mm hmm. If you take a look at uh, your your child's life that was born by C-section mm -hmm. versus the vaginal delivery, you're going to mm -hmm. see a much different immune system. Mm. And so when we take a child out of the womb by C-section, it's a sterile event. There are no bacteria given from mom to baby. Yeah. Instead, they in immediately are exposed. Their very, very first exposure bacteria is the hospital. And wow. so they inherit hospital bacteria. In contrast, your vaginal delivery is going to inherit a massive ecosystem of good bacteria from mom's vaginal canal before the baby ever takes its first breath. This is going to cause so much sibling rivalry that's already there between my kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, the one that was born by C-section, every time they outperform, they can see, they can really, be, you know, really thump their chest. Yeah. I, I did it despite that, yeah. that C-section. That's right. <laughs> and so, but if we look at first day mortality, I think we're going to realize, oh my gosh, we're birthing sterile babies, putting them into a hospital environment that's full of highly resistant bacteria and then uh, drug-resistant bacteria with a very narrow ecosystem. You might have six or 10 or a couple dozen bacteria that are surviving in that hospital room uh, that's you know constantly being sterilized and everything else. And so you've got these sterile babies and then they get put on the breast. And the study that is most profound here, um, there was a Moms Across America, if, if your listeners mm -hmm, don't mm -hmm. know their group, they're amazing. But Zen Honeycutt and Moms Across America is a nonprofit consumer education group that has been screaming about glyphosate for many decades, very concerned about GMO crops and the effects on our food chain. They've been lobbying for over 10 years to get uh, glyphosate measured in breast milk and the EPA hmm. continued to refuse because they were getting good data from Monsanto that said that this did not bioaccumulate it you peed it out at the same rate you ate it hmm. let me repeat based that. on their studies <laughs> well and their studies were pretty pretty accurate but they're not perfect and so hmm. a startling fact now that you know what glyphosate does to the velcro it's damaging the velcro not just in your gut but across the whole system of blood vessels etc if you're eating it and peeing it out at the same rate it means it's crossing many membranes yes. and doing damage all the way through the system wow and so um, this was the message that they were getting so they said no it doesn't bioaccumulate we're not going to look at breast milk so finally moms across america raised them enough money to do that science study themselves looked at 10 moms who were breastfeeding they were trying to avoid glyphosate trying to eat healthy and it turned out that three of those 10 moms had 760 to 1600 times the allowable levels of glyphosate in drinking water <gasps> Wow. And so it was the highest levels of concentration of glyphosate we'd found anywhere in the food chain was right there in the and first the breast milk. buckles of breast milk. Wow. And so you take a baby who's born sterile and then and so they are lacking their front line of defense and their protection system for those tight junction velcro and then you give them a massive load of glyphosate through the breast milk and now you've got Which a we believe setup. to be the the ultimate food or fuel for a baby.
And, and it is. And, and I don't want your listeners to think they should stop breastfeeding. Sure. It's, we just need to protect against the, the stuff that's in that breast milk. But you're right. It is the superfood for the baby. It's got mom's immune system in there. And fortunately, when they're suckling, they are hoping to get some at least of their first bacteria from mom's skin. Mm-hmm. The skin flora is pretty narrow in spectrum. There's not much diversity there. You go to the bowel flora or ecosystem or the vaginal canal and you get a lot more interesting, very protective species in there. And so, you know, I think we're going to find out that, uh, you know, it won't surprise me that if in, you know, 10 years as we continue to pull our head out of the sand (laughs) in the medical field, we start to swab babies with mom's vaginal mucus as soon as they come out of a C-section. And we swab them down thoroughly so that they start to inherit that ecosystem uh, before they start to suckle. It's just such a a paradigm shift because we think that the safest thing to do is to wipe everything clean and to um, use antiseptics and to use, you know, antibacterial washes. And, you know, because when I think of a hospital, that sounds like something that would be an old wives tale is to wipe the baby down with vaginal mucus. I'd be like, oh, that's something your great, great grandma did. But, you know, now we use alcohol rubs. So, I mean, it's a it's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift to believe that the ecosystem is our most important ally. Mm. And if you look at out there in nature, maybe that's not surprising. Uh, If you look at, for example, an an African elephant, um, these elephants can live 140 years and they weigh four tons. And at the end of that lifetime, if you go look at the bones in an elephant graveyard, there's no osteoarthritis. Mm. They carry around four tons of weight on those knees their whole life (laughs) and they never have deterioration into an osteoarthritic joint. Take a look at the birds out there. Have you ever seen a bird come flying out of the nest with an arthritic morning where they're just like, ah, I'm just kind of creaky this morning. They're come bolting out of those nests in the morning with nothing in the regards to inflammation. However, if we take those animals out of nature and put them in a zoo, or if we take those animals in nature and put them in our home, our cats and dogs, yes. suddenly they reach the same rate of decline. They mm. get their arthritis, their hips are falling apart, you know, everything is in decline from the yeah. moment they're born, just like the human. Yeah. And so it's a message to us that there has been built into nature an incredible balancing act. And this is very much like the checks and balances we wish we had in government still. The checks and balances of nature are if you don't take care of us, you're going to suffer. And that's exactly what's happening to our species right now. We have spent decades disrespecting our soils and our our food chain, our ecosystem at large. We're you know, raping it of oil. We're mm. pouring the, that oil back in the form of chemicals all over the planet. We're burning fossil fuels and not paying regard to the recycling of that carbon into the environment again. We are disregarding that balance of nature. And Thank goodness, in some ways, human health is suffering because if Mm. we were allowed to create this kind of level of damage across our ecosystem and not have some ramifications, I'm pretty sure we would just hop from planet to planet and continue to destroy. I agree. I couldn't agree more. You know, so on on a individual level, we're motivated to be healthy. We're motivated to live longer, I would hope. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes... When I talk to people, they're more interested in in wellness. They're more interested in weight loss than they are longevity and cognitive function. And they're more interested in losing five pounds than they are understanding what is the root cause of it. And I think I think there's been a shift. I think that we're starting to realize, okay, well, this isn't working. <laughs> you know, following X Y Z prescribed diet isn't working. And 
or it is for this person. Why isn't it for me? And I think that's caused us to search for answers elsewhere, which has turned a lot of us to look at at gut health. And and so, you know, the common things we know to re- repair or heal the gut, at least I think, are um, probiotics and to take uh, inflammatory foods out of our diet and and reduce stress and um, and maybe, you know, some fermented foods. And now I think we're starting to even accept the idea of resting our digestive system, that fasting isn't a, a disorder. It doesn't mean that you should be hospitalized. It's actually something that's really, really good for your health. What other things are we missing um, that can we, we can we can do? Very good. So you touched to begin there on this world of bacteria. How do we get these good bacteria back? We've all heard of probiotics. Mm-hmm. Many of us have tried some fermented foods um, and, you know, the, the sauerkraut, the kombucha, et cetera. And so we have the sense of, okay, we need to get bacteria back in, but what are we really trying to build? And so this is again where, you know, doctors are just not trained. Um, but let's think about how to, to define not just gut intelligence in regard to the Velcro, but what does gut intelligence look like as an ecosystem? And here we find a, a biodiversity that's almost unrivaled on the planet. Uh, the ecosystem that you should have in your gut is 30 to 40,000 species. Okay, but you have to hold on right there. Because right, that, I don't know how to wrap my head around that. 30 to 40,000 species? Species, so not even number of bacteria. The number of the bacteria should be like one and a half to two quadrillion. You know, what do you mean by species? Trillion. Like I'm picturing like bugs. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way of thinking of it. So your species could be butterflies, and and you could have some lizards, and you could have, you know, so picture your Costa Rican jungle. Okay. The, in your healthiest jungle environment with with the rainforest, mm. you're going to be reaching somewhere into that thirty thousand species range. Wow, that so analogy plant- really worked for me because I'm picturing a rainforest versus a barren desert. Yes, you got it. Another ecosystem that will hit 30,000 when it's healthy is a coral reef. Mm. And so you've got just these explosions of life happening under the water with the reef or explosions of life and diversity happening in the rainforest. That's what your intestines are supposed to look like. That's crazy. It is crazy because if we look at the current gut, it's more like a thousand species. So we've maybe wow. lost some 70 to 80 percent of the biodiversity of our bowel flora over this last hundred years. Just the last hundred years. So is that an evolutionary process or is that the effect that our nutrients have had on our evolution? It's evolutionary in the sense that we have evolved into thinking we needed to kill all the bacteria. <laughs> okay, so, so speaking of evolution, if I can just take this a little further, if a child is a child is born here in the United States and a child is born in an area where they're not exposed to the same level of toxins. Will they have very different gut biomes? Extremely different, even born in the same family. And so you mentioned you had one Mm C-section. Your your child that was born by C-section has a completely different ecosystem than brother or sister that has uh, vaginal canal delivery. Yeah. And so you don't even have to leave the country to find this incredible dichotomy of some people have some ecosystem and some people don't. Mm. And then, of course, that we get into these vicious cycles at a young age. And so for the last 70 years, we've been you know, building this huge arsenal of antibiotics. Yeah. And the antibiotics kill a wide range of species of bacteria. And 
the think of the child now born by C-section or for some other reason born deficient. So maybe mom had antibiotics during the delivery. Maybe mom had antibiotics shortly before the delivery. Maybe mom had antibiotics uh, for mastitis or a breast infection. Mm-hmm. And and the baby's exposed to that antibiotic through the breast milk or just through skin touch. And so there's something that's wiped out that baby's ecosystem. Mm. Now that child is going to be prone to invasive weed-like growth of just a few species. You mentioned the difference between that rainforest and the desert. Mm-hmm. Let's take a th- think of your backyard. If you go take a rototiller and till up your entire backyard, mm-hmm. what's the first thing that's going to grow out of that soil? I would assume weeds. Yes, spot on. And so everybody's <laughs> experienced that frustrating reality where you go out and you dig up a garden bed and you're so excited. It's dark, rich soil and you plant a few seeds and it's not your tomatoes that come cropping up. It's actually 15 species of weeds that have to get to 6 to 10 inches before you realize it's not your tomato plant. It's just a weed. Mm-hmm. And so the weeds come in for a good reason. The weeds are very good at grabbing nutrient out of the soil and putting nutrient back in. So the weeds mm-hmm. actually, I think, have a normal and important role in the ecosystem. And so spraying weeds with a chemical that kills them probably is a very bad idea on lots of levels, including that we lost the role of the weed in the ecosystem. And so this baby that's born deficient in bacteria is going to have a few weeds. They're they're like that soil that's been totally tilled under. And the first few bacteria that crop up are going to be weeds. And some of those will be things like strep and staph. These are very mm. fast-growing skin flora. Well, it turns out that if you overgrow with strep and staph then, and you have an altered immune system or your Velcro and your leak is happening, then you're going to be prone to invasion of those bacteria into places they should not be. So you get ear infections, you get strep throat, you get some sort of pneumonia, you get bronchitis. And so we got kids who are born deficient, weeds crop up, they're leaking, the weeds get into the wrong parts of the garden, and now we suddenly have to move in with antibiotics to try to kill the weeds. And so now we're in this vicious cycle of almost no ecosystem, kill it with more antibiotic. And so our kids are getting tonsillitis or they're getting ear infections or they've got UTIs, whatever it is, and they start getting hit with course after course after course of antibiotic. The very next thing you're going to find in those children is that by age 10, 12, you're actually going to see neurologic situations start happening with anxiety. And so anxiety, I think, is you know really, really prevalent in our 10 to 14-year-old girls and boys right now. And it manifests as panic attack or anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder. This is really the long-term result of chronic inflammation and leak across those brain membranes, and the child is now getting overwhelmed by normal stimulus. A normal day at school with a little bit of stressors here or there, or they're walking home and nothing's happening, and suddenly they feel like they're going to die. Their heart palpitations, they're overwhelmed, they're crying, they're just totally overwhelmed by life. This is obviously very prevalent in our adult population right now as well. But, but sadly, our children are getting hammered decades earlier than, than we have as adults. And so uh, you, you can almost you – know, I think this garden environment is a really important just caveat to keep coming back to. Okay, we don't have enough bacteria. The last thing we want to do is throw a bunch of antibiotics at this all the time. So where are we going to go after those bacteria? The probiotic industry is now a $30 billion a year industry. Massive amount of dollars gets poured into this right out of consumers' pockets. Obviously, they're not covered by your insurance or anything else. You're just going to the grocery store. You're buying. And everyone. Yeah, and everyone's taking probiotics. Everyone's taking probiotics. on some probiotic. Well, if you take a look at that probiotic and flip it around, you're going to find three or seven or maybe 24 species. 
but you're, it's going to be bragging that it's got 1 billion or, or 35 million or 35 billion or 1 trillion copies of that bacteria. And so it sounds great. It's like, oh, good. I'm going to get 35 billion copies of, of three species. Well, let's go back to the garden and think, okay, if we had 35 billion single weeds or single species that we threw into the soil, what's the likelihood we're going to end up with a diverse biome like a jungle or a rainforest? What's the likelihood we're going to get there? And the the answer is zero. It is absolutely impossible to take three species and get to 30,000 species. Mm. In fact, if we're taking that, we're narrowing our ecosystem. Well, what's happening then if when we're taking probiotics, I mean, I guess it's anecdotal, but when I've taken them in the past, at least when I first started taking uh, probiotics, I felt better. You just hit it spot on. And that's what I hear day in and day out in my clinic. At least when I started my probiotic, I felt better. And that's exactly what you can expect from a probiotic. In the first few days or a week of the probiotic, you might notice a shift in your gut because you just had six weeds that were overgrown and you just added three or six healthy species and you kind of checked the, the environment a little bit. You may have just doubled the complexity of your gut. Now you have 12 species. Well, that's better than three or six, but you have 12. And so we get that little bit of a boost in those first couple of weeks from a probiotic and we say, well, this must be good for me. And so we then we stay on it. Take it indefinitely. And now, <laughs> and now we go on definitely. And so now we go from a situation where, okay, we had a few species, but now we're on this chronic daily dose of billions of copies of a few species and we're creating just a different monoculture. And that's why you plateau with the effect of a probiotic. And so I use probiotics in my clinic at times. If my patients just got hit with an antibiotic or chemotherapy, bad viral infection, I'll go ahead and hit them with a couple weeks of probiotic. But beyond that, you're going to hesitate to keep throwing it at them because you know you're just limiting their ability to get diverse. Okay, before we go much further, I just, and I know this is your opinion, um, and it's not medical opinion. This is for entertainment purposes. People are listening. But is it your opinion if I was treating with you, you wouldn't have me on probiotics indefinitely. I would definitely not have you on a probiotic beyond about two weeks. Wow. And if you're going to be on a probiotic with any kind of sustainable thing, you need to know a couple of things. Number one, uh, you, you have a narrow ecosystem in that probiotic. And number two, none of those bacteria are from human gut intestine. We mm. grow all of the probiotics that we use, by and large, from the intestines of cows. In, in the butchering process of, of uh, the cow, it's very easy to, to take a large sample of the uh, gut flora out of the cow intestine and grow that up into a stable culture where we can sell billions of capsules of probiotic. Is there a better way to manufacture probiotics? Is there another way to manufacture them? There's or, a couple other, or is there other an alternative? ways to get bacteria. And so I'd say that you know if you use a probiotic, remember it's a Band-Aid, mm-hmm. and then you're going to go after a much bigger ecosystem than your probiotic will ever deliver. The last thing you want to do is be chronically taking 35 billion copies of a cow intestine bacteria. <laughs> And so the cows have a much different intestinal environment than humans. They're rumen. They don't have an acidic stomach like we do. Uh, lots of di- differences in, in the intestinal tract. And is there any so regulation it, on the type? I mean, this this is news to me. Is there any regulation on the types of of cows that are used for this? Are, are they um, organic? Are they uh, pumped with antibiotics? Like, what do we know about the cows that are used to make the probiotics that we're taking? By and large, you're looking at you know your typical grain-fed 
feedlot cow as the mm. main source of these stable bacterial cultures that are happening out there. Mm. And so, and, and they're extracting just a few strains. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, is here you're pounding these into your gut, but they can't colonize a human intestinal environment. All they can do is pass through over the course of a day or two days and kind of shift the environment temporarily. But because they're from cow intestine, they don't have the ability to really set up shop in a balanced ecosystem in the human intestine. So they're never going to participate in a balanced system. They're always going to be a, a transient band-aid moving through your intestine. Could probiotics ever be developed so that they were cultivated from humans? Great question. There's one on the market that's now available out of Australia. It's actually not available widely in the U.S. yet, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's got two strains of bacteria that were grown by a gastroenterologist down in Australia who was determined to get the first human strain probiotic. Mm. And it's, again, only two species. And two species at 35 billion copies is never going to get you to a balanced ecosystem. But that said, we should probably be putting effort into finding more and more gut flora that are coming out of the human gut rather than the guts of cows. Yeah. The importance of that is probably many, many fold, not just the obvious, uh, well, I don't want cow bacteria. The the stunning thing about bacteria is they set into motion what your mitochondria do. We mentioned earlier that your bacteria are feeding your mitochondria, your mitochondria are feeding you. Your metabolism, every time you think about that word or weight loss or whatever it is, you're actually talking about your bacteria and your mitochondria. Wow. And the devastating reality is that in 2012 to 14, a number of studies were done that's showing that if we take the gut flora out of human intestines of individuals that are obese and we put them into mice, Mm -hmm. the mouse immediately becomes obese. Mm. Within a month, you've got an obese mouse just because you took the bacteria out of the human. So you literally could have a a, a gut biome that is the... Programming you for obesity. So so your gut biome is... It, you can change your gut biome. So what you're saying is that the gut biome of someone who's obese versus the gut biome of someone who's healthy and lean and fit, um, those are two completely different biomes. Vastly different systems, vastly different. And if you take the, the gut bacteria from that skinny person and put it into the mouse, mm-hmm. you cannot overfeed that mouse to obesity. You can keep what feeding it, keep feeding, keep feeding it, it will not gain weight. So can you have a gut and, biome transplant? <laughs> yes. Sadly, we have gotten to that level of desperation. It's called fecal transplant. Yes. And so there's clinics all over the world now that are doing fecal transplants for people who have severe bacterial overgrowth like C. diff colitis and all these horrible hospital-acquired infections of weeds, they're taking the stool out of a healthy person and putting it into the intestines of these sick people. And the results are pretty impressive. They're never 100%, but mm-hmm. pretty impressive at their ability to diversify that flora. How do and we change are, our flora ourselves without doing a fecal transplant? Great question. It, it's everything you do in a day. Mm. It's what you breathe. It's what you eat. It's what you kiss. Mm. It's pretty common that I have women in my clinic that have jumped through every hoop I put in front of them to change their diet and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And and they lost some weight initially, but then they plateau and they are just stuck. Mm-hmm. No matter what I do, they are still obese. The first question I ask now, which is a big change from before because I used to just say, well, you need to eat less or you need to fast more or you need to do this or that. I now ask them who else is in the household. And by and large, I'll find out that they have a spouse who has nowhere 
even come close to wanting to do a lifestyle change. Mm. So here this woman is eating an incredible plant-based diet. She's exercising. She's breathing. She's doing everything right. And yet her spouse in the same home is still eating the burgers, still eating the fries, still drinking the Cokes. And that ecosystem in the home is being imprinted by the other member in the household. How? By the, a couple of ways. Swapping saliva is a big one. Mm-hmm. And so if you're kissing on your husband and he is If he's not going to start eating healthy, change, then there's going to be no more kissing. No more kissing. Okay. I mean, that's almost ridiculous to say. And yet, I think it's profoundly true. And so you need to tell your husband, honey, you're going to start this diet with me or I'm going to start kissing every skinny guy I see on the street. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that's if awesome. that's not working to get him to change, then you can bring him in a clinic and we'll we'll talk some that his golf swing is going to improve or something like that. We'll, yeah. we'll come up with something. That's funny. But the interesting reality is the bacteria in the home is being imprinted by everybody in that house. One of the ways in which we just so often uh, have failed to realize in medicine is it's not the bacteria that we're eating that's really programming the environment. It's the bacteria we're breathing. Every time you take a breath, you might eat three, five times a day, but you are breathing thousands of times a day. And every breath you take, there are microbacteria that are airborne in your environment and you're inhaling those. And they're setting up shop in your sinuses and your upper respiratory system. And then they'll slowly seed the rest of your gut. And we need these bacteria. These are good bacteria. These are bad bacteria. This is the whole ecosystem airborne. Mm-hmm. And so in your home, it's not unusual that we're living a lifestyle in which you get home from work, you step into your air-conditioned house, you sleep close in all the windows, close all the doors, close all the windows, you sleep all night long, you wake up in the morning, you take a shower and wash off all the bacteria off your body. Mm-hmm. You then go get in your air conditioned car, you drive to work and you're in an air conditioned building with no windows open. And then you repeat. Mm-hmm. If that's your life, you are living a monoculture. There is mm-hmm. no contact with biodiversity. And so every Ooh. breath you take is just reinforcing this narrow ecosystem. Mm. Now contrast that to the individual who wakes up in the morning goes and does their sun salutations and their yoga or their big stretching and workout or their four-minute burst of energy uh, push out on the deck or outside in the garden or barefoot in the soil, barefoot in the grass. That person is breathing ecosystem before their day even gets started, before they even put a bite of food in their mouth. They're creating ecosystem. They're reinforcing complexity and biodiversity, and then they go about their eating. Well, this That's practice a totally is, different lifestyle. This practice is not on my list. I, you know, I've been following all of these other suggestions, um, removing inflammatory foods from my diet, consuming probiotics, uh, trying to reduce sleep, get or reduce stress, get more sleep, um, trying fermented foods, um, resting my digestive system, doing some fasting, trying to stay away from um, food that's not grass fed and is 100% organic, antibiotics, all these things. I'd never even thought about breathing. Like what you just described is me to a T. Like I am, I am in a little test tube bubble. Uh, yes. And I, this is really profound because it's something I haven't thought of. How... How much of an effect can this have on us? Because it's one of those oh. things where, like, for example, there's certain things you do and you don't look in the people don't go, wow, you know, your your uh, your bacteria level must be higher today. You look great. You know, it's just <laughs> one of those things. It's not you don't see it outwardly. So it's huh. difficult for us to convince ourselves to take on these new habits when we don't immediately see or feel the difference. Or will we? 
you will see it. You see it right in the mirror right now. If you look in the mirror right now, Mm -hmm. if you have any outbreak, any acne, Mm -hmm. uh, any pimples, if you have any rosacea, Mm -hmm. the dilated blood vessels on your face, if you have any sag under the eyes, you're seeing the skin start to lose its elasticity, you're looking at a loss of ecosystem. Mm. When you look at somebody and you say, my gosh, she looks fantastic for 50. She must be 30 years old mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, you see those people that are living a lifestyle and a look that's decades younger than they are. Yes. That's the person where you can say that person has an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so I think we are, I, I know you can see the ecosystem's effects immediately when you look in a mirror or you look across a room, but as humans, we need to get educated that it is the ecosystems that's making that biologic youth possible. And so I, I'd I'm like to know what Christy Brinkley is doing. That girl's got must have good ecosystem. She oh, looks and amazing. I, and you know what? It's so interesting is you look at a Christy Brinkley or, you know, not that I've spent a lot of time hanging out with her, but I'm, I'm guessing that there is a fair amount of travel in her life. <laughs> right. And so she's down in the Bahamas and she's doing a photo shoot in Italy and she's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's up in the Himalayas doing some <laughs> trek with these people. And I mean, it's it's the style, of the, the lifestyle of the rich and famous and the rich and famous, frustratingly, seem to never age, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with they have the luxury of getting out of the apartment and going into these vastly different ecosystems, vastly different parts of the world and spend a week there breathing. They bring back with them an incredible ecosystem. The good news is you don't need to be rich or famous to achieve this. And so oh, thank all goodness. you need to do. <laughs> yeah, so give us, right. some, give us some things that we can do if, we're, if we don't have a photo shoot in the Bahamas this weekend. Give That's us some right. things, like three things we can do today that help us. Number one, mm-hmm. ironically, is go weed your garden. <laughs> if you pull a plant out of the soil there's an invisible cloud of bacteria and fungi and all these incredible microorganisms that go airborne with that yank of the weed out of the garden. Mm-hmm. So get outside and touch a weed and touch a plant and just start to get back your hands into the soil. We have seen this work all the time in the in the population statistics worldwide. All of the developing world that's still in touch with that soil and that ecosystem, they have far, far less asthma, allergy, food sensitivity, eczema, you know, autism. Well, because before we move, that. before we move on to number your number two suggestion for us, my common sense would have told me that the last thing I need to do because of the roundup and the uh, the chemicals that are in our soil, the last thing I would want to do is put my hands in the soil. But you're telling me I should. You should. You got to get there because it, it is as damaged as the soil is. It's mm-hmm. the only place we have ecosystem left. Okay. And there is no ecosystem on your drywall that you want to have in your body. And there by is no ecosystem, ecosystem we the, mean bacteria. Bacteria and fungi. Okay. The fungi is equally as important to the bacteria. The discoveries that we made in 2012 are right in this vein. It turns out that it's not just the existence of the bacteria that are changing your health. It's actually what the bacteria are making. In 2012, we discovered a communication molecule from the bacteria. And it turns out that there's over a million variants of this little communication molecule. Picture these as we call them carbon snowflakes, each one slightly different like a snowflake. They have a carbon backbone and each molecule made by the different species in your ecosystem are going to make a different word in this giant vocabulary of cellular communication. And so 
what's happening when you go out there in the soil or you pull a weed or you breathe some bacteria, yeah, you're getting some ecosystem back, but it's not just the this the existence of the bacteria or the fungi that's making the difference. It's what those guys are making. And they're not just making nutrients for you. They're making the very communication network that helps your body build its system. Mm. So Picture, get in the dirt. Pull the get weeds. Get in the dirt. What's another that tip for us? Number two is get to those different ecosystems. Okay. So even in your state, you it doesn't matter which state you live in, you're going to find different ecosystems. We're so rich in the United States for a variety of ecosystems. In Virginia, where I live, we've got the Appalachian Mountains. You get up there on the trails, go up to the waterfalls along the Appalachian Trail, and you're going to be breathing an incredibly complex ancient ecosystem that dates back millions of years. Then you take a couple hour drive out to the beach. You spend two days, two weeks on the beach. You're breathing a completely different ecosystem. You've got the incredible sea vegetables and all this life, the seaweed out there. They're breeding bacteria and fungi of variants that you don't have in your home. Then you get down to the swamps down in southern Virginia. Then you get out to the the, the dry deserts out uh, in uh, you know parts of the West and everything mm-hmm. else. So mm-hmm. you if you can get yourself to different ecosystems and spend some time hiking and breathing and exercising in these spaces, you're going to be making that organic garden that is in your sinuses and in your gut so rich. So in so other I'm words, we need to get into nature uh, when we say ecosystem because – uh, if I go to downtown New York City, am I in an ecosystem that's you're of benefit to me? Oh, okay. You're, you're, so you're it's not necessarily ecosystem. nature; just exposing yourself to different types, different strains, different ex- different levels of um, and different types of. Um, I just yeah, lost the word. Di- different environments, yeah. And so the number three is probably along those lines. Bacteria. Number three is hug each other. It, mm. it, when we're hugging each other, and if we could just adopt that wonderful French technique of kissing each other on the cheeks. Really? The more we're hugging and, and in each other's environment, the more we're going to share that biome. And we have known for millennia that hugging each other improves life expectancy. And we just assumed, well, it just decreases stress. And the same thing for pets in your environment. If you've got a dog or a cat, we've known that that correlates with improved lifespan and less disease. We assumed it was because, well, it takes stress off to have a companion, all this stuff. And that may have a role, but what we overlooked was, oh my gosh, those, those, that tribe of people around you that you hug every day or that, the, that group of animals that live in your home, those companions, they're bringing their own ecosystem. So when your cat's licking your face in the morning to get you up, it's introducing ecosystem. When your dog's begging to be scratched behind the ears, you're getting new ecosystem. When you're hugging everybody in your work environment, you're getting new ecosystem. And so it's about community. It's about communion. It's about being in touch with each other as much as it is with being in touch with the soil and everything else. We have got to get out of our bubble. we got to get away from our cell phones, stop texting each other. Go out to lunch with your best friend, mm-hmm. give them, wrap them up in a big hug, be in their face, be in their biome. So to be build, freaked out about germs, like Howie Mandel right now is really doing himself a disservice with the face masks and the hand washing and the no touching and contact. Is it, is what you're telling us, we actually need to expose ourselves to these things and not yeah, become so germ phobic. Exactly. Germs we are need good. To em- 
I think we need to lose the word germ and just adopt ecosystem. You know, mm. we need to see it as that garden rather than something to be feared. We want to look like a, a rainforest of beauty and complexity and color rather than the, the barren wasteland of a desert. And so we, we got to start to embrace that uh, reintroduction of that complex ecosystem. And we see this not just on a human level. We see this socially and politically. Our politics has become so inflamed just like our bodies have. Mm -hmm. So as we get inflamed, as we start to have the breakdown of our boundaries at the microscopic level, we start to break down at the social level. We start to break down at the political level where everything is inflammatory. Everything's screaming at each other. Everything is up in each other's face. I mean, you can literally look at the two faces of our candidates this past <laughs> time and you can see inflammation just raging there. So true. And so it's just an incredible reality that whatever is happening down the microscopic level is going to be true at the fractal level up at our big macro environment. We're going to have the same disease processes of loss of communication between humans as we have loss of communication between our bacteria. Well, it's interesting because I wanted to bring you to this audience specifically to talk about weight loss resistance. And we really haven't talked about the scale too much because I think what we've done is as a society, as um, as we become begin to understand how much more complex we are and how all of these systems are integrated in our bodies in the system that we ecosystem that we live in that the you know just trying to treat weight loss by picking up a book and eating a very prescribed minimal number of calories that it, it's like trying to put a band-aid on a gaping uh, cannonball wound it's just it's it's not fixing the problem so for to bring this back to an individual level when it comes to being weight loss resistant resistant and how our gut plays such a huge role in this what piece of optimism can we give people who are willing to say okay i'm going to trust the process and and embark on some of these steps what types of changes can they expect to experience what positive effects on their weight loss can they expect to experience if they really start to pay attention to their their gut intelligence that's great because we want to look at things that are going to happen in the in your biology much sooner than the weight starts to come off mm -hmm. we want to see the early signs of progress so that you can continue on your mission towards better health and those early signs are going to be revolving around better sleep quality you know, you might notice more dreaming, more, you know, more memory of your dreams as you get more REM sleep, better sex drive, better short term memory, uh, better processing of information. So you're better at multitasking. Your sensory overload doesn't happen as quickly. These are the early signs of your neurons, your cells of your body are starting to process fuel correctly. You're starting to charge up the system. You don't have as much morning fatigue. You're not crashing at 2 p.m. and having to go for the chocolate or the coffee or the five-hour energy drink. You, you have energy that sustains through the day. These are the signs that your metabolism, your mitochondria, your bacteria are starting to process fuel correctly again. You're hormone system is starting to come out of this fight or flight system that it's been locked into for decades. That release of the fight or flight, that relaxation of the system is going to be really your first signs that you're on the right track. Wow, that's great. It would be su such a freeing idea if those are the things that we measured our health by as opposed to a number on a scale between our two big toes. 
So I'm going to challenge. Right. I'm going to challenge everybody to to look at those things this week. Just to work on some of the things that we talked about today uh, with Dr. Zach Bush. And then rather than tracking a number on a scale, obviously the way your clothes fit are an important measure as well. But how is the quality of your sleep? Are you remembering your dreams? Do you have increased libido? Is it easier for you to have memory recall of things that just happened and, and the way you're able to understand more difficult concepts? Um, is there a lack of bloating? Is how do you feel? What's your energy level? Is it sustained? Because if those things are happening, you are on your way to becoming weight to, to breaking that plateau of weight loss resistance that may be um, attributed. It sounds to me very likely by our gut intelligence or lack of intelligence. Yeah, beautifully said. And and the result of all of this in the end is comes down to one incredible reality. And this is why I'm so glad to be on this show with you is you are kind of the quintessential powerful mama bear. You're out there changing the world with communication. And it's you know one listener at a time. It's one person at a time being inspired by your journey. And I, I assume your journey has had ups and downs just like all of us <laughs> have experienced. Yeah. And I think that's even more inspiring to be around each other and realize there's going to be some off weeks. There's going to be some off years where we just don't feel like things are clicking. And it's in the pursuit of getting past those dips and valleys in our journey that really build our journey into to the one last destination, which if we can get here young in life, we will stay young. The, the destination you're headed for right now is the one I'm headed for, which is I am enough. I love myself completely. I don't need to do a damn thing for anybody to be enough, to justify my love for myself mm. or to receive the love of God, universe, mm. whatever nature you want to look to. You are enough right now. Mm. It doesn't oh. matter what you weigh. It doesn't matter what you feel like you look like. It doesn't matter if you your skin's what you want it to be. It does not matter. You are enough right this second. Oh, I have my hands up in the air. Amen. Amen. What a gift you are. You are speaking my language. Well, it's it's just going to speed us all up. It's going to bring all of us to our higher vibration, and we're going to start making different decisions as individuals, different decisions as communities, different decisions as nations. If we all start to realize we are loved right now for just being right here in this moment, exactly how we are at this point in our journey, high, low, doesn't matter. We're right here right now. We're all together. We are loved and we are going to change the system. We don't have to fear a Monsanto. We don't have to fear glyphosate. We don't have to fear GMO. We are the ones that are going to determine the course of nature because we are the consumers. We are the ones that vote with our dollars every time we walk out of our house. And if we have the knowledge and we start keep talking, we're going to change the environment. We're going to re-realize that diversity is the secret. Diversity of peoples, diversity of backgrounds, diversity of religious beliefs, diversity yes. of experiences, diversity of bacteria, diversity of breath, diversity of song, dance, you know, just we are a beautiful species waiting to realize that simple fact. Who are you, Dr. Zach Bush? Who are <laughs> you? You just fueled my soul and fired up my purpose. That was what a gift. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been so profound. There's no possible way that I can't um, ask you to be a guest with my audience again, I've got to bring you out just to, to, to meet these folks in person because you, you are a remarkable individual. Thank you for what you do. 
Well, it couldn't be done without the likes of you guys <laughs> getting out there and getting the education to the population of people from all walks of life. So thank you for what doing what you do. We sure appreciate the invitation to be here with you. And it's been a great day. And how can people find out more about what you're doing? I would love to have you guys delve into all the scientists in our center and the knowledge that they're bringing to the world. You can find our science at the website www.restore4life.com. Restore4life.com. All of our science is there. Our peer-reviewed publications on our farming industry and its impact on your health and everything else is there. So delve in as deep as you want to go to that rabbit hole. Dude, dude, how amazing has this series been? I hope it's not just my opinion. I hope it's yours too. I mean, I, I like to think that I listen to my audience. I hear you in social media on a daily basis. I've got that finger on the pulse. But sometimes you hear, you know, like people say things that they think you want to hear. So I want you to be honest with me. Are you enjoying this series? I really can't just go on social media. I want you to let me know with your reviews. If this series I've been doing on metabolism and our gut health and getting over that plateau of weight loss resistance and really taking a hold of the steering wheel, sitting in the driver's seat as it comes to our health. If this has been interesting to you and you love this, let me know. But I also want to know if you're not digging it. If you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get back to the goal setting. When can we talk about relationships again? Shalene, I'm more interested in the productivity stuff or organization, etc. Listen, it's your show. I have the microphone, but you get to dictate what content I deliver. Yes, I get really excited when I myself am solving a difficult, complex problem and I've got access to amazing experts and I can boil that down and I can use what I believe God has given me as my purpose, which is to teach and share, to take things that are complicated and could be a problem for other people and, and just to boil it down and make it easy to consume. I hope that's what I'm doing. But ultimately, I need to hear from you. So please do me a favor. If you're loving this, let me know. Leave a review on iTunes. It means the world to me. It's also how we will help more people to learn about this stuff because I think it's more than just taking control of our own health. I think we need to take control of what we're eating instead of letting consumerism and the government and lobbyists decide what's happening to our health. Okay, I'm off my soapbox for now. I love you. I mean it. You are legit. TheBomb.com. This episode of The Shalene Show is a special episode brought to you by MarketingImpactAcademy.com. It's an online school that we open up registration to just once a year. If you want to know how to run an online business and you are not tech savvy, if you want to build a better online business, if you don't want to be a slave to your laptop or your phone or to feel like you're constantly on social media, if you don't want to waste a ton of money developing websites or, or spending money on SEO experts, I invite you to check out marketingimpactacademy.com. And if we have already closed registration by the time you hear this message, don't worry, we'll put you on our list and you'll be first to be notified when we open up registration next year. 